0: best thing to win the Masters. You you will be here forever, as long as you are still alive. So that's the best thing. I'm very happy. Welcome to episode 93 of Talking Golf History, and the second of our series called A Golf Historian Scavenger Hunt. In this series, I, along with the occasional help from other golf historians, will highlight some of golf's greatest artifacts and historical landmarks from around the world. Some of these items are in plain sight and are overlooked by pedestrians every single day, while others sit in the confines of the world's most prestigious golf clubs. On this show, each of these historic items will be ranked by their difficulty to experience. For instance, an item within the clubhouse of Augusta National would rate as extremely difficult to view, 10 out of 10. Whereas an artifact at a museum or public golf course would be easy to view and perhaps a one out of 10. Each and every episode will give you guidance on how difficult it will be to view the object, artifact or place. And each episode will share an artifact from the following categories. Extremely difficult to experience, semi-difficult to experience, and easy to experience, all while sharing stories about each item. I am extremely excited to share with you some of golf's greatest hidden treasures, but first let me share with you an exciting adventure I have embarked on. I have just recently accepted a role as a history and design consultant for a company that will be designing and building famous golf holes using synthetic grass for businesses, corporate headquarters, public parks, and private residences. We have chosen four famous holes to start. C.B. McDonald's very own Short Hole, Redan, Punch Punchbowl, and Biarritz. I feel as if we're embarking on a path that C.B. McDonald paved for us over a hundred years ago. Why have a plain backyard golf hole when you can play one of the world's greatest golf holes? We start upon this adventure with four of C.B. McDonald's ideal golf holes. I hope you follow along with us on this adventure with more stories to come of why we choose these holes and where this adventure will take us. If this sounds intriguing to you or you have questions, please shoot me an email at the Historians at gmail.com. Now let's get to our show. Without further ado, let's dive into a golf historian scavenger hunt. Our first artifact is one that sits in plain sight, and yet I would venture to guess that 98% or more of people who are within 200 yards of it have never seen it. It tells part of the story of one of America's most architecturally significant golf clubs. A club that literally helped change the direction of golf design in America. Our first item on our scavenger hunt is located on the property of the National Golf Links of America, which in and in itself makes it very difficult to see. But if you didn't go out looking for it, you would never know it was there. NGLA was the brainchild of the great amateur golfer Charles Blair Macdonald, a towering figure of a man both figuratively and literally. Charles Blair Macdonald was confident, cocky, brash, arrogant, but he was also a visionary, a leader, and a man who helped change the course of golf design in America. He was loved, hated, respected, and resented. In that regard, he was also probably the most interesting man in golf in the United States during his time. C.B. McDonald and his creation of the National Golf Links of America introduced the United States to the design principles of the old world. McDonald did this by studying what he determined to be the world's most ideal golf holes, and then brought the architectural aspects of those famed holes to his course in GLA. Today we call these ideal golf holes C.B. McDonald's template holes. In bringing these design concepts to America, Charles Blair McDonald essentially inspired America's golf course architects to use old-world strategy to improve golf course architecture here in the United States. The artifact of NGLA is really a relic that can only be found through a little bit of exploration, and I would highly suggest receiving permission from the club before you set off in exploration mode. Back behind what is today the 10th tee box sitting 150 to 200 yards into the deep thicket of trees and bushes sits the ruins of ngla's first clubhouse there in the wild corner of ngla's property sits the foundation of the shinnecock inn now the shinnecock inn was not a strict clubhouse like the one jarvis hunt would design for the club years later it was in fact an inn but it served as a de facto clubhouse for C.B. McDonald and his new club, and included a locker room for its membership. Unfortunately for the Shinnecock Inn and NGLA, the inn burnt to the ground within its first year of use, but its presence is still felt today. First, the ruins of the original clubhouse still exist in the woods behind the 10th tee box. If you are up to do a little bit of exploring, again, please ask for permission, You can also see the original gate into NGLA, which served as the original entrance to the club and now serves as a maintenance entrance into the property. Finally, the most noticeable artifact from the days of the Shinnecock Inn is now what is known as the halfway house on the 10th tee. That halfway house just so happens to be the original starter shack and is the oldest man-made structure on the golf course. So if you ever find yourself at the National Golf Links of America, and you have time to spare, ask for permission to see the place where McDonald changed his shoes. Get a snack where our golfing forefathers would have picked up their scorecard and their caddy. If NGLA served as the beginning of the modern age of America's golf design, then the ruins of the Shinnecock Inn may also be considered our ruined home of golf. Difficulty rating, 9 out of 10. Our next artifact is home to one of the most famous golf matches of all time. A match which paired two unlikely heroes against the old guard and a putt that literally shook the foundations of that club. No, I'm not talking about the match that paired Ben Hogan and Byron Nelson against two amateurs at Cypress Point. In many ways, the match I am talking about today was much more important. One could even argue it was the most watched golf match in history. A match that pitted a lowly caddy named Danny Noonan with would-be club champion Ty Webb as they challenged the old guard of Bushwood Country Club in Judge Smales and Dr. Beeper. The movie Caddyshack is often ranked as one of the greatest golf movies ever made, and it was the brainchild of the Murray brothers who modeled the story and the club from their experiences caddying outside of Chicago. Now, you might think that Shack was filmed in the Chicago area, close to where the Murray boys grew up. You might think that, but you'd be wrong. The famed Bushwood Country Club, home of the lovable caddy Danny, the playboy Ty, and under the stewardship of the square judge named Smales, was actually shot on location in the state of florida and the course still exists not on a film lot and not on a soundstage but an actual golf course today you too can play perhaps the most famous country club of all time bushwood which is known by another name grand oaks golf club located in davie florida which sits due west of fort lauderdale the club is private which you might think would keep the movie lover from teeing it up on the links of Bushwood. But because I'm a nice guy, I will let you in on a little secret. Anyone can play the course where they filmed Caddyshack. The Harbor Marriott Beach Hotel has a reciprocal program for overnight guests, so you too can tee it up where the likes of Al Servick, Danny Noonan, Judge Smales, and Ty Webb once played difficulty rating 5 out of 10. Even easier if you book a room. The last artifact is a place that should be immortalized as hallowed ground. One could argue that it, and not St. Andrews, is the true birthplace of the game of golf. What makes golf? What makes it different than other stick and ball games? Sure, it's played into a hole in the ground, but golf isn't golf, without the thing that defines it, the rules. Our last artifact sits today as a public green space known then and now as Leith Links, which once upon a time was a five-hole course in Edinburgh. It was the home of a dozen clubs, including the famed Honorable Company of Edinburgh Golfers, who in 1744 wrote the first ever rules of golf. Leith Links not only gave us the first written rules of the game, it was also home to the first international golf match in history some 63 years prior in 1681 and served as a golfer's duel of sorts to determine the real birthplace of the game. Scotland or England? In 1681, there was an odd dispute between two English noblemen who argued that the game of golf originated in England. They argued with the Duke of York, who would soon become the future king of England, James VII. The three men argued about the origins of the game, and the future king of England decided the only way to settle the argument was a golf match. The winner of which could claim to be the origin country that gave birth to the game of golf. However, the future king of England had a ringer in his pocket by the name of John Patterson, a local shoemaker and feathery ballmaker who just happened to be a crack golfer. The future king of England and John Patterson won their match and one might argue that golf is Scotland's game because their team won the first international golf match of 1681. Well, maybe not. I think we proved it Scotland's game. Leith Link sits as an open park in North Edinburgh. Some believe it was here that the game of golf was born, but not on that day in 1681, but off the port of Leith, where a Dutch game of Colvin slowly evolved to the game we love today, golf. Difficulty rating 1 out of 10. If you ever find yourself in or around Edinburgh, Scotland, do yourself a favor and take a walk in the park. I hope you enjoyed our second episode of A Golf Historian Scavenger Hunt. Hopefully one or two of these stories were new to your ears. As always, I thank you for listening to the show, and if you enjoyed it, please think about giving our show a rating and leave a comment. Until next time. Yours in golf history, this is Connor T. Lewis.